politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast here on Blaze Media, your only source of truly independent conservative news and views, as well as a vision, a vision for the future. Now, the hallmark of what we've been seeing this week, the past number of months, is anarcho-tyranny. The perfect mixture of perverse priorities of government, where you and I, we the people, are treated as criminals. If you don't wear a mask, you will be fine, maybe even arrested. Uh, You got in New York now, where they are sending out state troopers, NYPD, to set up roadblocks as if this is like Fallujah or something, or having a civil war to block out-of-state travelers, mind you, while they wave in out-of-country illegal aliens. And as we've noted, this is something that even during the Articles of Confederation was illegal to do pursuant to Article 4 of that document, much less the Constitution, which created a stronger uh, federal union among American citizens. And we just allow that to go without question. At the same time, these very same governments are releasing gang members that commit attempted murder. It's just a case in New York City. A Bloods member committed attempted murder, was let out in May, and he is suspected of committing three other shootings responsible for seven gunshot victims since then. And this is what's happening throughout the country. We have a two-tier justice system. We have a system for illegal aliens and and American criminals, especially if it's for the right cause, where you could commit murder, mayhem, block roads, lynch motorists, destroy public and private property, riot, loot, burn, and you're not prosecuted. But yet, for pseudoscience, for things that our government itself said just a couple months ago, don't even work to stop the spread of the virus, much less are constitutional to implement, they use the police against us. Where do you and I go for refuge? During our special July 4th show, I noted that one of the ways to plot a path forward is, first of all, in general, we need to focus on local races. There are 82 counties that were carried by President Trump. In this business, the crap rises to the top, and the higher level office, the worse the Republican is. If you're going to count on Republicans in Washington, and even really in in most states, to do anything for you, well, I got a wet market to sell you in Wuhan. If you think that the Kushner administration is going to help you at this point, look, you want to vote for him, vote early, vote often for him, that's fine. I don't want Biden either, but I'm just telling you, it ain't working. What you need to do is focus on on your local elections, because we see county governments are more important than ever. These are your county councilmen, commissioners, executives, school board members, and sheriffs. If you want to get the right balance of law and order, which is really the social compact of why we have government, to let the peaceful American live freely while really clamping down on those that will harm others. That is simply the job of government and certainly the job of a law enforcement agency. And we need to focus on those positions. And I noted that one of the best ways to fight back against this would be for sheriffs to not only eschew this enticement to go and enforce unconstitutional edicts against Americans, 
but to clamp down on the lawlessness of violent criminals and the rioting by deputizing we the people, peaceful Americans that don't have a criminal record, to join a program and serve as almost a sheriff's posse. And that will empower the citizenry. It will deter the rioters and other violent crime that's increasing in this country in every major city. It will create a refuge of civil and religious liberty as Sam Adams hoped for when he spoke before the Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania legislature in Philadelphia three weeks after signing the declaration. Will there be one place on earth that's a refuge for civil and religious liberty? It ain't going to be New York. It ain't going to be California. It ain't going to be really most states, including the so-called red states with blue-red governors. We got to start with the counties where we intuitively or have people that intuitively agree with us that share our values and then make that as a paradigm and a beacon of liberty and security for the rest of the American people. Well, guess what? One sheriff has taken up that calling. Sheriff Mark Lamb of Pinal County, Arizona. It's about 60, 70 miles from the Mexican border. He is a 287G sheriff who actually ensures that the, that the residents of his county don't suffer from other countries' criminals. He was elected sheriff in 2017. He is America's sheriff. He has created a citizen's posse program, a four-hour training program for citizens to learn about the laws uh, behind self-defense, about law enforcement, about proper usage of, of firearms, in case this violence spills over from places like Phoenix to, you know, just to the south of it in Pinal County. Will other governors or other sheriffs take up the calling? Well, with us today is Sheriff Mark Lamb. Thanks for joining us today, big guy. Thanks for having me. All righty. And, and Sheriff Lamb really is a big cowboy. Um, he is not someone to get intimidated by the rioters and the looters. Sheriff, could you tell us a little bit more about this uh, posse program and training that you're creating, what the motivation behind it is, and what you hope for other jurisdictions and, and lawmen to learn from this? Yeah, you know, I think that you kind of hit on it on, on your opening. We're all a little frustrated with what's going on in this country. You know, people that live here in my county are no different. They see the news. They see what's going on in some of the East Coast cities, some of the you know, you've got what you've got going on in Oregon, Seattle, and we don't want that here at the sheriff's office. We don't want that here in our county, and, and our residents don't either. And I don't think the majority of the people of the United States want those things going on in their neighborhoods. So I could feel that frustration. I could, I could feel people uh, didn't know what to do, what, they, what their rights were as far as protecting themselves. And I would get people asking me, Sheriff, what can we do to help? So I designed this citizen's posse. Now I have a patrol posse already. Guys that go out in uni uniform, they're trained uh, with uh, probably 350 hours. And uh, they go out and assist the deputies on their daily duties. This posse is going to be more designed to uh, for emergencies. You know, should we have a major flood, a fire, or riots, or insurrections, that gives me the ability to call on these people. Now, Title 11 of Arizona Revised Statutes says that the sheriff is to prevent or suppress any affrays, breaches of security, riots, or insurrections that come to his knowledge. And it also says that the sheriff can command as many inhabitants of the county as he deems necessary to achieve this mission. 
And so what I feel is we don't know what the future holds for us. But I was a good old Boy Scout. I was a Boy Scout my whole growing up. And I learned early on as a Boy Scout, be prepared. I'd rather uh, have been prepared and had my citizens be prepared for these things uh, and have it happen and I'll be prepared than not and be thought a fool. So, you know, it was something we just felt like it was going to be a good all the way around. And also it's another opportunity to bridge the gap between communities and law enforcement, give them some more education and really try to uh, continue those, those better relationships with our, with our residents. And what strikes me as a good idea here is that obviously um, on a personal level, on an individual level, there's a constitutional right to self-defense. It's a it's a natural God-given right um, that the founders understood even before the federal government was founded. Just the settlement of this continent, even dating back to English common law, it was it was pretty obvious. But what you're doing is taking it to the next level of just a community responsibility that you'd rather bring people into the tent than have them doing it randomly. You have the right to protect yourself, um, however much training you have. But you may as well ensure that that peaceful, um, law-abiding people get the best training they can. So could you describe a little bit about what this training module looks like? Yeah, and I'm not naive enough to think that four hours is going to do anything. But you're right. There's a lot of people that are feeling that urge to vigilanteism. And there's a lot of my critics said, well, this is this feels like vigilanteism. No, this is to curtail that. There are people that are already feeling those feelings. And this is to help them channel that in the proper channels. And so what we're going to do is we're going to teach them a little bit about constitutional law. We're going to teach them uh, about uh, Fourth Amendment search and seizure. We'll teach them about what their rights are as far as how they can protect themselves. We're going to teach them about the what it takes to, to be able to use deadly force. We want these folks to be able to feel comfortable protecting their homes, their communities, their, their, uh, and their county. Look, I lived in Panama when, when the U.S. invaded Panama. And I just wrote a book and I put it in here. But I was in Panama when they invaded Panama. And for the first four days, there was no police. There was no military going around because everybody was fighting. And so for the first four or five days, we had, to, we had to guard our building. And I'm 17 years old. And all the members of the building got together and said, hey, we have to protect our own building from the looters and from the Dignity, Dignity Battalion. So I spent Christmas morning and, and all those mornings, I spent holding a gun, standing guard. I had no training. We don't know what the future holds for us. And so what I want to be able to do is make people feel more comfortable with protecting themselves, their homes, protecting uh, their communities. And these trainings obviously are not to be, you know, exactly, it's not enough to give them the ability to be a deputy. And that's not the goal. This is for emergencies. Um, what we want to do is use this as a recruiting tool as well, recruiting tool as well. recruiting for our, our volunteer units, like our patrol posse, our citizens on patrol, which is like a block watch but also to recruit for our detention officers and our deputies, which, you know, this is not an easy time to recruit either. So we think there's a lot of good that's going to go into this. We're going to do ongoing training. We're going to send out a monthly newsletter with a video from me with more training tips. And um, we're going to monitor this all year. So if any, anybody that doesn't do what they're supposed to do, then we'll obviously bump them off the, the citizens posse. Um, but 
this is going to be an ongoing thing. Give them some insight into the sheriff's office. And we'll also give them some resources where they can go on and train themselves further. It's no different than us in law enforcement. Look, we get, a, we get an extensive amount of training, but then we're, resp- we're responsible for continuing our training on a personal level as well. Sure. No, I mean, that's definitely something with firearms and, uh, you know, shooting proficiency. It's it's something that you got to keep up on your own. And and again, I mean, this this, this is great. It's literally self-government. It's people caring about their own communities. Um, what, what you're what you're saying would have sounded kind of, you know, like a lunacy, a far flung um, eventuality in the past. But you look at what's going on now. I mean, what scares me is two, two things. Number one is the sheer brazenness and the sheer size of these riots where police clearly are being overrun. There just are not enough people to deal with it. Um, you also have the issue, the political issues against using certain force, no matter how uh, deadly these people get and how many injuries the cops and now federal officials have to suffer before they they finally use the force that's necessary. I'm seeing it also more than ever. This used to be limited to like, you know, the top 10, 15 largest cities in America whenever we had this insurrection. But I'm seeing this. I mean, Alamosa, um, Colorado. I mean, that's a small town. You had one of these roadblocks where these, you know, they just vigilantes came and these riders blocked the road. They shot someone dead there. Um, You have Provo. Uh, Utah, I mean, the heart of Mormon country, this is not exactly an area I would expect that you would have motorists surrounded. And so, you know, I don't think it's so far flung that even a more rural county could be overrun. I mean, you guys are not a wealthy county. You don't have a lot of resources. How large is your um, is your department? How How many deputies do you have? Yeah, and that's what people don't understand is my area, there's only 15 counties in the state of Arizona. My area is the size of the state of Connecticut. And I only have, I have over 650 employees, including volunteers, um, 500, over 500 paid employees. I have 220 deputies patrolling an area the size of the state of Connecticut. And mind you, only 100 actually patrol. You've got detectives, you've got your command staff, your leadership. Um, so that. I have a hundred guys. So if something bad goes, and it's not just riots and looting, it's also um, fires, floods. Uh, I'm going to need some help from the citizens if it gets to that point. And I think the programs like this help us. And you're right. Some of this, you know, how you phrased it or how I would have, would have phrased this program could have been saying is lunacy. But nowadays with what's going on, it's sheer lunacy what's happening in this country and none of us are immune from it. Look, the, the BLM movement kind of was the catalyst for a lot of the protests, but that's been hijacked by a lot of anarchists, people who hate America, people who would just assume see the Constitution and freedom um, go down and, and then scrap it and start with something new. And I, for one, am not going to stand by and let that happen. And I'll do whatever it takes and I'll do whatever within my power as a sheriff and con- given to me through the Constitution and state statutes to do that. And this is one of those things. Do, do you see signs of other sheriffs in that part of the country that are you know, looking at a similar initiative? You know, there's other sheriffs that have similar um, patrol posses. And a lot of the sheriffs I, that I 
I didn't talk to them, but I saw an article where they had talked to a few and they were comfortable with where they were at, felt like they had enough law enforcement. And that's going to be something that each individual sheriff has to determine. Um, I, for one, want my residents to know that we're going to be in good shape and that we're prepared. And I think that's my job as a sheriff. We, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in what Napoleon Bonaparte said. Leaders are dealers in hope. In these frustrating times of uncertainty, it's my job as a leader to give not only my troops hope, but my citizens hope that we're going to be okay, we're going to be safe, and we're prepared for what's to come or may come. May come is the key, is the key word because, you know, once it's upon you, you lost. I mean, the key thing with crime and certainly a wild insurrection is deterrent. And that was the biggest mistake that was made, certainly with the states. But but in my view, even in, in the administration at a federal level, um, it's it's open source. But I certainly know from my connections that the president was talked down against a more robust response uh, by some of those people in the White House. And and that was a big mistake, because once it becomes OK to you know, destroy property, to not get prosecuted, like that's a valid grievance. Just don't kill too many people when you're doing it. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. And I think that's what you need. You need to act early and also have that potential projection of power with numbers of by and for the actual citizenry of that neighborhood and those communities, those towns in Pinal County, so that, you know, if you ever had some sort of a spillover, let's say from what was going on in Phoenix, um, you would have that deterrent up front rather than having to scramble for it uh, after it's too late. I mean, is that kind of the gist of what you're hoping for? That's exactly it. You know, there's a saying that we had in SWAT, you'll, you won't rise to the occasion. You'll only rise to the highest level of your training. And we won't be able to, if once it's upon us, like you said, it's already upon us. The fight's on at that point. Then you're scrambling, trying to find the resources necessary to choose prevent and suppress those things that you were constitutionally mandated to do. And I want to be more prepared. I pray that those that I never have to call upon my citizens posse. And I would imagine that anybody in that citizens posse will pray that they don't have to get called upon, but we have to nonetheless get our ducks in a row and be prepared for whatever may come. And it's like I said, it's not just, there are many emergencies that can arise. Yep, especially out and west. So this, you know, a lot of us on yeah. the East Coast don't appreciate it. We just had a huge fire, fire down on the southern end. This time of year, we have lots of fires that jeopardize people's homes and those types of things. It, it only takes, if I have 25 guys on duty at a time throughout the county, it doesn't take a very big issue to zap my resources. And what happens if, like some of these other places where multiple guys are getting hurt. Um, you've got 50, 60 guys getting hurt on a, during a protest, um, which I don't see as protests anymore if cops are getting hurt. But the, uh, th that would kill my units. How do you replace that? Because you still – remember, once you, once you suppress that, guess what? The next day, you still have to come out and do your job and respond to calls and but you just lost 50 guys so how do you do that and i'm not saying that the people that, are, that i'm going to train are going to be the ones that are going to come in and fill that in that's not what i'm saying but there are certain p 
pieces of it that some of the smaller things, like say, let's say if you had a fire, I could call on citizens to help secure areas that uh, where the fire was jeopardizing and also help fill sandbags during the flood and these types of things. It's much more than what people are seeing. Um, they just immediately jump to what we're seeing in the news. This is for much more than that. And I think also a lot of people, especially the elites that live on the East Coast, they couldn't appreciate. And, and I, you know, frankly, I couldn't really appreciate. I've never lived in that part of the country. What it's like, your budget is really dictated by population, right, which is, is very small relative to the East Coast counties. But on the other hand, you can't just say, you know, they always talk about, oh, it's just a bunch of land with cows or something. But it's not true. Land is land. And, you know, it, it, it's like anything else. Uh, it gives you the opportunity to have more floods, more um, natural disasters and fires, obviously, um, as well as you, you, you do have the spillover from the border problem and the drug trafficking, you know, that that ebbs and flows over time, too, which is unique to your area that other parts of the country don't have. So that's a heck of a lot of land to cover with that type of budget um so that that really again particularly out west this sounds sensible i want to change gears a little bit in the remaining time here to uh the other side of the coin so we had the anarchy now now we talk about the tyranny how does it make you feel as someone who wakes up every day who wants to protect the citizenry really you know deter and and um apprehend the bad guys that police are now being used to enforce this like medieval superstition that just growing legs beyond belief. I I respect the cops and I I I really respect NYPD and I understand they're in a rough p- patch and I don't judge some of them for pretty much saying screw it I'm just going to stand back and not patrol because if I get put into a lose-lose situation where you know I, I I'm up against the bloods and the crips and if I you know do too good of a job um I'm going to get arrested they literally are arresting cops that arrest um bloods members in a way they don't like and then you know there was one guy that was released the cop was arrested and now this guy had one one time he, he was arrested for slashing someone a couple weeks ago um he stole a pocketbook of a 14 year old girl last week is was in the new york post um i i get it but where i really start looking down on not just the politicians like de blasio but even some of those cops and i and i hope it doesn't represent a lot of them is you are the same man that's now going to go and suddenly find your moxie pulling people over from out of state, which is just literally in the articles of Confederation. They weren't doing that. Um, the, the mask wearing, I found find that pretty disgusting, that juxtaposition. Well, I've been, I've pulled no punches. I've been a strong opponent of any mandating of any kind. I was very for the businesses. I felt like we have grossly overstepped the, the constitution and the people's rights. And in this County, I do the best I can to, to, to keep the people away from that piece of it. Um, the governor one, you know, at one point talked about citing, arresting, fining people for opening their businesses too early or doing this. And I took a strong stance against it. And then when I got COVID, I became the poster boy here in the state and nationally where people thought it was funny um, but I beat that too, but I, you know, even the mask thing now, I said, look, it's not, 
that I don't encourage, if you want to wear a mask, that's totally up to you. I think the science doesn't support it either. Um, I think there's enough science to say one way or the other. So, but if you feel comfortable wearing a mask, if you feel like that's what's going to protect you, then I support your right. But I also think support the right of those who don't want to wear it. And what I can certainly tell you is that it is not the government's job to mandate that. These checkpoints I was hearing about, I, I had actually turned off the news last night because I couldn't stand watching some of the things that I'm seeing going on where you've got lawlessness going on. You've got a violence happening in these cities and these same mayors and governors are talking about stopping travelers. You're, they're out of their minds. And how does it make you feel watching that living where you do seeing how the, the drug cartels come in from Mexico when they want and then these very same people, see, they talk about, you know, quarantining out of state. Well, what about out of country people that break in? Right. And let me tell you what else makes me nervous. I saw before the George, George Floyd incident, I saw the emotions were getting high. And I kept telling people on radio shows, what you're not seeing is the intensity of the calls that were going on. And that's not something that we can quantify on a report or that we can, I mean, we can articulate it in a report, but I can't quantify it to where the, the FBI is going to put it in a UCR, which is a unifying crime reporting. Um, so those were things that I was seeing. And then what happens? Boom, it spills over into an, an awful incident, which sets the rest of it off. Now I see us, I see these governors and some of these officials putting us in more situations where you're going to create another op, uh, a poor situation because of the um, because of the intensity you're creating between law enforcement and regular citizens. So, look, I don't I think this is horrible. It's not helping. And it doesn't help us on a national level, because even though you can say, well, this isn't your area. Yeah, but what you do, the tone you set in some of these places gives people, uh, gives people, I don't even want to say courage because I don't think courage is involved. Uh, it gives people the feeling that they can behave this way in other parts of the country, and it is not acceptable. Well, so you're being a little vague there. I know we talked about this before. I want you to elaborate if you can. Are you saying that, you know, the, the, juxtaposition of the anarchy and the tyranny again the the war on the cops that was born out of this whole blm agenda juxtaposed to the lockdowns and the mask mandates and enforcement puts cops in tough positions but 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 more than that you're saying that the strain of the government creating such a degree of panic and such a degree of suspicion about the virus and and you yourself you said you had it um, and I'm assuming it wasn't a bad case. Is that correct? I mean, I had very mild symptoms, um, just felt a little run down and a little bit of a cough. But yeah, it wasn't. So it wasn't it like wasn't, stage four you know, pancreatic cancer. No, not at all. Okay. Um, it, it wasn't, it, allergies were worse than that. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. And and they make a big deal. Oh, you got it. You'll, that's our point. Everyone's going to get it or, or a lot of people are going to get it. Um, and that's our point. But anyway, I digress. My point is, are you saying that prior to Floyd, you're seeing an uptick in unrest? Like, what do you mean by those calls you're getting? So I just, because people were out of work, people were out of work, kids were home. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty. The media was feeding you so much mi conflicting information. 
So when we would go on a domestic call where we used to be able to talk those people down, it was immediately escalating into a fight. Um, we would go on different calls where you could just see the people's emotions were much higher because we have put them in a state of uncertainty and a state of panic and the fear mongering. I hate the fear mongering. I hate this constant push on the media um, and even amongst a lot of government officials to make people feel like uh, they're not safe, that the world's coming to an end. And in most cases, that's just not true. Minus a few cities across this country. Yes, you've seen little pockets. Um, but for the most part, the majority of the country has been safe. And even some, a lot of the COVID deaths have been driven by some of the larger cities. Yet the rest of the country has been affected by it. So what, you're, what all of those things combined create more anxiety, more, in, more un, uh, feelings of anger in people. And so when we show up, and now all of a sudden that anger has a chance to be released. It's, it's clashing with law enforcement and we can see that. And now you're starting to push it again when you start having, um, well, I don't know that it's ever really took its foot off the gas, but now when you start to have law enforcement um, engaging with normal citizens and, and trampling on constitutional rights, you are now pushing that again. You're going to create more intensity again. You're going to create uh, potential situations for uh, blowback. Yeah, I was always wondering what happens if the NYPD puts an out-of-state traveler in a chokehold. Is that okay? I'm not sure. It might be okay um, if it's for the right cause. I mean, that's that's really what it is. But what you're saying is a fascinating thought. I don't know how many have connected the dots. You're saying it's not just the war on cops and the BLM agenda. Um, that has sown this this degree of edginess in, in a lot of people um, that, that's on the verge of violence. You're saying that was happening even before um, because when you psychologically traumatize an entire country that you're going to get something that spreads as quickly as the flu, but in their mind it's like stage four pancreatic cancer every single case, even though you know 99.9% of cases are curable, 99% of cases are are really, you know, subclinical in terms of hospital. 95% of cases are really what you had, um, what most people had, which is less than the flu. It's kind of like a cold or allergies or just a little bit of fatigue. And you go and you overstate the threat assessment, and then you involve law enforcement in that. Um, that's an interesting perspective that, you know, I, I would hope Republicans in the state legislature where you are and in Washington would bring bring people like you in you know you'll they'll bring in doctors and scientists and whatever but that's an interesting perspective from law enforcement how you're seeing um kind of the the psychological trauma of the people and what that does in terms of violence uh, i think that's a terrific point and i've been saying this to the governor's people and i've been saying this to our county health i said you guys are only focused on public health but you are totally disregarding public safety and your decisions that you are making to to towards public health are creating public safety issues and you can see it i mean i look it, now look at where the country's at and those were created by by our decisions and by the 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 way we approached a public health issue it is an inherently or whether it i don't know inherently or uh, 
subconsciously, whatever it was, it has created multiple public safety issues. And so now we are dealing with the public safety issues of, of what was created with a public health issue. Very well said. You got to run, so I'll let you go. But real quick, um, how has the response been to your citizen training program? And you know, where do people apply? Overwhelming. We've had, uh, I think, over twenty-five, at least around twenty-five hundred. Every night they come in and tell me, "Hey, sheriff, we got another six hundred or eight hundred emails last night." So it's been phenomenal. The negative has been very low, and frankly, the people who are being negative about it are just being kind of ridiculous about it without even trying to get an explanation. They're just firing off like, hey, what are you creating, lynch mobs and this and that? And it's so there's some ridiculous arguments against it. Um, And in America, we just like to just pass judgment before we even get a chance to even see it. So, but overall, this has been, a tremendously successful program thus far. The only way we're going to be able to get to it is we're probably going to have to create some, some virtual training as well. Um, and we're going to do the best we can to get to all these people. But I mean, I, I have to do this within my budget. I don't, <laughs> I don't have extra money for this and nor wow. is anybody looking to try to give police extra money right now. So this is something that I have to manage within my own budget, within the personnel that I already have, and we're going to do it. It's not going to be a, a burden to the taxpayers, but this is going to be a program that's going to help us. So these are things that are our jobs as sheriffs. You know, I can't go and cry about it. I just have to fix the problem and I have to find solutions. We're used to this. In law enforcement, we are used to the fact that we've been uh, bootstrapped and handcuffed for a long time. And the beauty of being a sheriff is I'm not as bootstrapped and handcuffed as some of these city chiefs are. <laughs> I feel bad for them because they, they're, at the, they're at the mercy for the most part of those city councils. And you said something in the beginning, and I, I, I want to say this to your listeners. Those, the races that matter are not necessarily on the federal level. The races that yes. truly matter are your state legislators, your state senators, your county supervisors. Those are the people passing the mandates. Those are the people passing the things that um, the, the anti-Second Amendment bills, those are all vary from state to state. It's not a federal thing. Those are state to state issues. And your ability to carry or not carry a firearm is going to depend on the legislature of the state you have. So please, those are the races that matter. Do your homework um, and, and don't miss those votes because those are the votes that are going to keep us uh, moving in the right direction towards freedom and preserving freedom. If not, we're going to lose it. And, uh, you know, I know that nobody's perfect. Our president's not perfect, but he's a thousand times better than Joe Biden. And <laughs> I've enjoyed having President Trump as a, as a, from a law enforcement standpoint. For anything else, this guy has been a phenomenal support to law enforcement, uh, to border security. And uh, I'd like to keep him on for another four years so that we can continue to try to fix this issue continue to protect our borders and uh try to get some of our freedoms back and we'll have to have you on to discuss the border at some some later date but that was a terrific presentation um we'll see how our audience could help out on this but certainly our arizona listeners could get involved keep us updated on this and good luck and god bless y'all thank you god bless appreciate it and folks this is where republicans are just so dumb they really are They're just dumb as mud. Because when you listen to the sheriff, you could see how 
they have to deal with human psychology more than psychologists do. So they, they get a good sense as to where the people are. And you see that people are very edgy and they want security. So the left is offering them security and voodoo of corona fascism. But you could offer them security in terms of empowerment of self-defense against the anarchy. When I think back to how Jerome Smith and Brooke Rollins and Jared Kushner convinced the president to initially stand down on those critical days on the riots when it really mattered. To get the black vote. I'm sure some of you have seen this, but those of you have not. The Gallup poll that was conducted June 23rd to June, July 6th, really you know, during this whole insurrection. And it came out that the majority of blacks support maintaining the current presence of police in their communities. They asked the question, would you rather the police spend more time, the same amount of time, or less time as they currently spend in your area? Okay? 61% wanted them to remain in place. And 20% said that they would rather police spend more time. Only 17%, 17% of blacks said they want less police presence. How hard is it for Republicans to fight on the Corona bill, to fight on the budget bill, which is going to happen next month for fiscal year 2021, on defunding sanctuary cities, defunding those who go after the police, pushing right to carry reciprocity, pushing stand your ground laws, encouraging more programs like what the sheriff talked about. Imagine if we had that from Republican leaders. And this was across the, the, the board, by the way. 59% of Hispanics said they want to maintain the same degree of police presence. 63% of Asians. 71% of whites. So blacks were, were pretty close to whites on that level. I mean, they're obsessed with polling data. And then, as I've always said, there's no greater polling data than the gun sales, the ammo sales. I can't get 9mm ammo. They're out of stock. You know what? I can't get gun um, manufacturers and ammo prov uh, uh, providers on this show to advertise because they're out of inventory. There's nothing to, to sell. That's why we have to go to accessories. And by the way, We the People holsters. Don't forget, we still have the landing page, wethepeopleholsters.com forward slash CR. You go to issue promo code CR, you get $10 off free shipping. If you want to train in self-defense, self you got to get a holster. And you got to get a holster that's secure, comfortable, and versatile. We the People Holsters is your one-stop shop. They have some cool um, patriotic gear too as well. It costs a little bit more money. Um but get $10 off with promo code CR at wethepeopleholsters.com forward slash CR. But folks, this is, the, this is the opportunity. I mean, Trump has pretty much blown it on the corona fascism. This is the ticket. Going after anarchy. Empowering people to feel safe. Remember, the emotions that work against science and rational thought what we want to do on the virus panic and fear 
it actually plays into our hands as it relates to the other side of this coin, the anarchy and the riots and insurrection. People want safety and security. It's the bottom line. It boggles the mind why Republicans won't have a crime bill and a self-defense bill. Use the budget bills to defund these rogue prosecutors. You know what? I would have a federal program. Again, look, I'm not for federalizing this stuff, but if if this is what we're going to do anyway and throw all this money, don't sit and tell me, oh, well, Daniel, I don't think the federal government should get involved. You know, we should spend money on, on programs like this. Give it to the sheriffs. Remember, he noted they have a very limited budget. What do you do if everyone you know really wants to get involved? I didn't talk to him about this, but I'm thinking, you know, is it possible to do a crowdsourcing? Because I want to make sure this program works and we could replicate it elsewhere. Because what I'm telling you is once you do that, that's not only a bulwark against the anarchy, but also the tyranny as well. When you involve the citizenry, you'll have more jurisdictions like Sheriff Lamb, who not only will stand up to the crime, but he will ensure that that the officers are not misused to go and and, uh, enforce unconstitutional and arbitrary edicts. This is how we, we really kick off the rebellion. You gotta confront your sheriff wherever you live. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you empowering us? Are you gonna enforce all this stuff? These arbitrary edicts, these unconstitutional corona fascism, flat earth, superstitious middle age rituals, while we have this much crime going on? Make sure they're on board. Make sure make sure you know the state of affairs with your sheriff's race. Not all of them are on the ballot this year, but a lot of them are. It depends on your your state. So this is going to be part of a series we're going to have in the coming days with local officials fighting back. And let me know if you want to have, if you want me to have anyone on the show that is in your area, a county councilman, a sheriff, school board official. This is where it's at. Obviously, we'll get back to some of the virus data and trends tomorrow. Lots of good information out as well that I'm a little bit behind on. So there's never too much information you can send me. dhorowitz at blazemedia.com is the email. At rmconservative is the Twitter. You can also follow me at deh0414 on Parlor. I'm there as well. On Facebook, you have our... Uh, public page Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary our private page Miniman Speakeasy let's get organized to start one of these citizen posses in your county let's get this done let's make this the new fad let's take back our country county by county county